This is Transformation Intensive, week nine, the call of the king. Just to jog your memory a bit, the topic for the previous week was forgiveness and healing. Uh, You had two weeks to sit with that. It was probably appreciated because of the previous topic of of digging out the sin. Um, I do want to... I do want to get something else out of the way before we start. It could be that the holiday interfered with or maybe downright broke your prayer rhythm. (laughs) That has happened before. Uh, We've been doing this many years, and sometimes the holidays or when you take a week off, it doesn't, doesn't, you just don't stay with it as much. Uh, So over the years, we've developed a very arduous process of getting back on track. So you might want to take notes because it's, it's intense. It goes like this. Begin again. <laughs> Just begin again. No guilt, no self-condemnation, no peer condemnation, no excuses required. Just pick it up and begin again. That's the best way forward. The call of the king. I want to encourage you in, in how to listen um, for the call of the king in these next couple of weeks. Uh, I want you to listen with great attentiveness. It seems like over the years that we become Christians or over the decades that we're Christians, we tend to stop listening to things that we don't want to hear, things that might change us out of patterns that we are just really comfortable with, You know, I'm liking my life. Don't touch it. Uh, But to be really open to the call of the king requires good listening. I have this little story about a situation where someone wasn't being very attentive. It says, a man found an eagle's egg and put it in a nest of a barnyard hen. The eaglet hatched with the brood of chicks and grew up with them. All his life, the eagle did what the barnyard chicks did, thinking he was a barnyard chicken. He scratched the earth for worms and insects. He clucked and cackled, and he would thrash his wings and fly a few feet into the air. Years passed, and the eagle grew very old. One day, he saw a magnificent bird above him in the cloudless sky. It glided in graceful majesty, among the powerful wind currents with scarcely a beat of its strong golden wings. The old eagle looked up in awe. Who's that, he asked. That's the eagle, the king of the birds, said his neighbor. He belongs to the sky. We belong to the earth. We're chickens. So the eagle lived and died a chicken, for that's what he thought he was. Now the book that this comes out of the theme that the author uses is wake up. Wake up. And he says that almost on every other page. Wake up out of your slumber, out of your, out of your fog of just existing and going through life without thinking about it. And so uh, that's, that's one call to attentiveness, to pay attention. Jesus also knew about this disease of inattentiveness that we have. Um, 
in many places in the, in the Gospels, he, talks, he says something like this. As he would say these things, he would call out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So Jesus knew that people got used to things that were said and got comfortable with and didn't really listen intently. So my encouragement to you then is to listen attentively to the call of the king. We're going to do a little exercise to practice that. We're going to, in a few minutes, have five minutes of silence, okay? And this is just an opportunity that we're giving you to kind of do the transition between uh, the forgiveness and healing topic and as we step into listening uh, for the call of the king. The call of the king material, I predict, uh, might be very challenging because this isn't inviting, I mean, this is inviting you to join the king in his mission. And of all else, as George has taught us over the couple of uh, uh, meetings, is that means total allegiance. That's what he's asking for, total allegiance. So in this attentive exercise, um, I'm going to give you five things to take into the silence. And I just want you to hold all five of them kind of in one big cloud and let them interact with each other. And if you focus in on two or three of them and, 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 and there's fruit there, then just stay with that. Uh, but the idea is to see how different areas of your life uh, play into each other. Being attentive has this aspect of, of integration, letting your devotional life impact your work life and letting your work life impact your family life and letting your family life impact your devotion life. You know, it's, it's just all one life. It isn't separate uh, silos, as many people say. So... Here's the five things. Let me find them. The first one, of course, is the call of the king. The three graces that we're going to be sitting with this week. To hear the call of Jesus to me as his friend and disciple. To desire and long for the fulfillment of God's plan to redeem the world. To ready myself to say yes to the call of Christ. So that's one of the things we're going to take in, is this, this call of the king that we're going to be meditating on and praying over in the next week. The second thing is the chicken story. Uh, <laughs> it's got some powerful messages in there uh, of what it, what it means to be self-aware and what it means to pay attention to things going on around you and how they either fit with you or they don't. Um, Another one would be from Matthew 13, uh, the parable of the soils, where uh, at the, this, is, this is how Jesus' explanation of the parable is from the message. He says, uh, the disciples came and asked him, why do you tell stories? And he replied, you've been given insight into God's kingdom. You know how it works. Not everyone has, has this gift, this insight. 
It hasn't been given to them. Whenever someone has a ready heart for this, the insights and understandings flow freely. But if there is no readiness, any trace of receptivity soon disappears. And you could use instead of readiness, attentiveness, I believe. That's why I tell stories, to create readiness, to nudge the people toward receptive insight. In their present state, they can stare till doomsday and not see it. Listen till they're blue in the face and not get it. I don't want Isaiah's forecast repeated all over again, which was, your ears are open, but you don't hear a thing. Your eyes are awake, but you don't see a thing. The people are blockheads. They stick their fingers in their ears so they won't have to listen. They screw their eyes shut so they won't have to look. So they won't have to deal with me face to face and let, the, and let me heal them. So what they don't understand is they're ignoring and making it impossible for them to hear the very message that will heal them. So you can take in to your prayer the call of the king, the chicken story, the parable of the, the soils that are different readiness of, of, of being able to receive. And... Uh, a little self-observation. What has been taking your mental energies? You know, if you had to kind of do a profile of what you think about when you don't, when you don't have to think about something external, you know, when, when your mind has idle time, where does your mind run? Is it a relationship issue? Is it your work? Is it your finances? Is it, is it what, what Jesus is inviting you to? Uh, but just, just take a moment and think about what is it that I, that, that I think about a lot? And take that also into this prayer. And then the last one is, why am I in TI in 2018? Why did God put me in this class at this time? Um, so that's a fifth thing. So, you know, those are very, come from very different aspects of your life. Uh, but hold them all together and pay attention to, to how, they, how they speak into one another. So we'll go into five minutes of silence. I'll, I'll give you a minute warning when we're about done. Uh, and then we'll, we'll step into something else. All right, as you were holding those things up together, if there was anything that seemed to spark some, you know, pulling together some ideas. Uh, jot that down. You can come to it later uh, in your prayer in the next couple of weeks. So here on a Tuesday evening, when you already reserve this space and this time, it's pretty easy to, to find time to be attentive about what's going on around you. But it's not so easy tomorrow, during the day, or by next Thursday or Friday. So what we provided you with is if you want to get this little packet out. This is a little packet to help you be attentive as we're listening closely for the call of the king. 
It's a very simple kit. <laughs> it has two rubber bands and a little card. And the idea is if you take one of the rubber bands and you put it around your wrist, okay? And I'd like you, as best as you can, to leave it on your wrist for the next week. And every time that you notice it, ah, why is there a rubber band on my wrist? <laughs> then you pick up this little card, or you could have memorized something before, and you just take 15 seconds to offer up a prayer to God of your desire, of your desire to hear his call. Uh, it can be phrased many different ways. There are a few examples there. You don't have to use those. If, if you want to write on the back what your prayer would be as you remember throughout the day uh, to pay attention, um, this is what this is for. The second rubber band is just in, in case you lose the first one. Um, we get very ingrained in our, in, our, in our rhythm throughout the day, and this is just an attempt to insert something different that will catch your attention. So I hope it works for you. All right, let me introduce to you the next week of prayer, and then we'll have another prayer exercise. So in your Transformation Intensive Notebook, if you turn to page uh, 49... Uh, movement one, week nine, the call of the king. I'll just read those first two paragraphs to you. Uh, God's call uh, to each person is unique. It has been observed that our call chooses us. It emerges directly from the circumstances of life that are outside our control, especially those that are most painful including our weaknesses, heartaches, and failures. We don't get to choose these things, but we are given an opportunity to respond to them in such a way that we accept God's call to us in and through them. This week, we are asking for the grace to notice the things in our lives that are presenting us with an opportunity to say yes to the call to follow Jesus. Also, we enter into a prayerful consideration of God's desire to redeem the whole world and his outlandish plan to invite each of us to share in his mission. We will consider what is at the heart of the kingdom of God. Who is this king that we are following and what is the ethos of his kingdom? So um, let me introduce you, um, first of all, to an actual exercise that Ignatius uh, prescribed called uh, the call of the king. It's sometimes paraphrased as uh, the parable of the kingdom. So if you'd actually um, jump ahead to the article section of your notebook um, to page uh, 60, you'll see it's sideways. And um, this is from a kind of a transliteration of the spiritual exercises of Ignatius of Loyola done by um, a Jesuit named um, David Fleming. And so you have on the left the, uh, uh, a more uh, literal translation from the Spanish, and then you have on the right um, uh, David Fleming's interpretation. So 
this is the imaginative exercise that um, Ignatius envisioned based on, uh, if you want to give me that slide. Um, if you remember from the film of Ignatius's life, early on in his journey, uh, right soon after his conversion, he is in, he's on a pilgrimage in um, a Spanish town called Montserrat, and it's there that he takes his sword that, of course, had been so central to his identity as a soldier, and he lays it down at the altar there. And so it's out of that experience that he wants to help us sort of recreate what happened for him by leading us in this, in this imaginative exercise. And so what he uh, suggests is, you know, what it would be like if the most, you know, amazing monarch on earth invited you to follow him into his mission and imagine that he is kind, that he is with his people and so forth, um, and the draw to follow him, and then actually, like, what is the, you know, what would the devil call you into? You know, what is that false king? So it's, it's a pretty manly um, image that uh, you may or may not relate to, but let me just say a little bit more about it and then give you some options. Um, I like how it begins. Um, he, the preparation, I, I take the usual time to place myself before God in reverence, begging that everything in my day may be more and more directed to God's service and praise. The grace I'm asking for. I ask Jesus our Lord that I might not be deaf to his call in my life and that I might be ready and willing to do what he wants. So this is an interesting place to begin. It's not as though he is saying, um, you know, sometime in the next week or if you were on a 30-day retreat, sometime today, I want you to figure out what God's calling you to do. No, he's saying, pray for this grace to be open to hear uh, the call of Christ our Lord. Um, he's asking us uh, to enter into his metaphor for a minute uh, and imagine um, what it would be like to offer to, um, to offer complete fealty to a king who is infinitely greater and more deserving than any earthly king that ever lived. Um, and remember that for Ignatius, this was a time of weighing the consequences of what would happen if he transferred the love and devotion he previously gave to an earthly king, uh, a loyalty that, by the way, cost him his health and nearly his life, and now to give that same commitment to Jesus. Um, when I uh, made the spiritual exercises in 2014, we did some exercise in the large group, and I didn't write much down, but I came out of that, um, we were actually trying to do this quite literally, and I, it was a little bit difficult for me, but what I wrote down was, um, the only thing that I felt like the Lord was saying to me was, don't be afraid to give everything, don't hold back. And um, this is what I wrote. Um, Lord, when I think back on several decades of following you, I have at times only been half listening to your call. Or I've wanted only partially to follow and obey. I've wanted to hold something in reserve. For what? That's the question. Lord, open my eyes that I may see your splendor and your goodness. 
Open my ears to hear your voice. Cultivate, cultivate in me such an openness to yourself that I can be moved by the slightest movement of the wind of your spirit. And you know, I think that's all that was being asked of me, was just that, that openness. Um, if you are moved by um, military imagery, you may find that you can actually follow along exactly with Ignatius's instructions. But I want to give you a couple of options. One is that you might use the kind of the gist of his concept as a springboard into your own uh, unique parable of the kingdom. Um, a piece of art, uh, for example. There's a, an amazing piece of art called the Mystic Adoration of the Lamb in Flanders, Belgium, where you see this, uh, the lamb that was slain, resurrected, and all the departed saints around, and eventually that image became really important to me. Maybe there's an image from art. But also, you might find something like um, Narnia more helpful. So uh, perhaps it's Aslan, uh, the king of Narnia. It's interesting to me, the, sort of the sword imagery that you get in Lord of the Rings with, um, um, is it Edmund that's given the sword, right? And, uh, you know, they're, they're knighted <laughs> as part of their, what, what happens for them. And it's interesting, there's, I think, actually quite a bit of Ignatian imagery in uh, Narnia, in part because he had a spiritual director that he saw every week who was a part of a uh, religious order called Society of St. John the Evangelist who was essentially an Ignatian spiritual director. So no one has written on this. So any of you C.S. Lewis scholars out there, you know, uh, one of us needs to do something on that. Um, but you may find that this, like, soldier imagery doesn't work for you, so I just want to give you freedom and permission to use any kind of imagery that might mean something for you. I think as women, this is, can be especially difficult for us to connect with. Um, so perhaps it's, it's something else where you have this sense of, uh, this is where I've had a feeling of what it means to be totally committed to something. What would it mean if I uh, transferred that total commitment to Jesus? So two main things to keep in mind. You can go anywhere understanding these basic ideas that it's actually Jesus, the risen Lord, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who is the subject of this meditation. Uh, in a few weeks, we'll begin our systematic contemplation of Jesus' life, beginning in his infancy. Uh, but for now, we're actually jumping ahead to the end of the story. Um, in a three months, you'll know Jesus a lot better after contemplating his life in great detail. And you'll be clearer, I hope, about the details of what he's asking of you. Uh, but for now... All Jesus is asking of you is that you commit yourself to him in faith. So um, it's interesting that uh, um, I was getting some actually unasked for coaching one time by an expert in the Ignatian exercises, and I left this out of the lineup, and she was like, you can't start contemplating the life of Christ until you do the call of the king. I'm like, oh, okay, you know, I, I, we were just short for time. We left it out. And um, apparently that was a big mistake on my part. Because when we start contemplating the right life of Christ, we want to do it with this posture of radical openness to Jesus and anything that he might ask of us. It actually opens us up to be deeply um, committed, to be all in. 
Um, and it's also encouraging because it's not actually about offering all of our amazing talents and aptitudes to God. Um, it's not about like figuring out your number on the Enneagram or some other kind of assessment tool and that's what defines your calling. Um, all those things might be helpful, but that's not where your call comes from. Um, with that, let me um, ask you to turn the page uh, to, uh, I think it's 64. It's this short little reading um, called The Call and the Spiritual Journey. And I love this because it gets you off the hook of like, um, I need to be someone with a special talent that I can offer to God. Uh, that that's not where our calling comes from. This is from the third paragraph. Um, I do not really choose my call or my calling. Rather, it chooses me. My one choice is whether I listen to it or ignore it, whether I embrace it or analyze it for certainty and satisfaction, whether I follow it or spend my time deciding why I cannot trust this. My call invites me to trust. It beckons me to give myself to it wholeheartedly. My call pushes me for a response. And the only adequate response is an unconditional yes. Often my call challenges me to face loneliness involved in answering this call. It insists on moving me beyond my self-doubts, beyond my sense of my own inadequacy. Often my call arises from my failures losses, wounds, and even sins. It forces me to attend to my mistakes, my limitations, my hurts, my pain, and my sins. And so thus you see why it is so appropriate to do this as we're wrapping up our work on examining um, our lives. I loved your phrase, Ned, digging up the sin, <laughs> because it could be in that digging, all that work that you've been doing, um, there's some clarity that will start to bubble up to help you with your sense of God's call. All right, finally, if you would turn back to um, the introduction uh, to page 51, you will find a self-assessment exercise. Uh, let me just read you this for clarity's sake. Uh, the goal of the first movement of the Transformation Intensive is to deepen and secure the experience of God's personal love and care and to bring us to a place of greater surrender of our lives to the praise, reverence, and service of God. With that foundation in place, we are almost ready to begin our systematic contemplation of the life of Christ. Uh, when this retreat is given one-on-one, -on -one, the director helps the retreatant to discern whether he or she is sufficiently grounded in the experience of God's love. Because we are journeying together as a group, it is more difficult to assess each person's readiness to move on and to adapt the prayer exercises to meet specific needs. However, it's valuable and important to make some kind of meaningful assessment at this juncture. So I would encourage you to take some time this week to just assess where you're at you know, it's okay to say, you know, I don't think this is just the right time in my life for me to do TI. Um, I can't give myself to prayer the way I want to. I've got some big thing I had no anticipation was coming up, and I just can't, I can't continue. Or you really get to the point, you know, I don't actually trust the Lord. I don't trust God. 
I'm not sure that I really have received his love for me. Uh, I would maybe need to stay in this material about God's love before I move on. So these are the kinds of questions that um, I encourage you to ask yourself. And if you have some concern that maybe this might be, this is like a no questions asked time to get off. Um, but I would encourage you to talk to your spiritual director or your listening group leader and just process that with, with them. Um, it could be also that the evil one is trying to discourage you <laughs> and that this is a great experience for you and you by all means should stick to it. So please invite someone else to, if, if you're feeling uncertain, invite someone else into that process to make that decision with you. Okay? Judy's going to come and lead us in a prayer exercise. So we're going to walk into a time, an imaginative prayer exercise here, and Paul's going to help me with it. Um, I will read a section for you from John 7 and partly John 8. And then after that reading, um, we will together walk you through an imaginative prayer exercise. So just get comfortable. Put your things down. John 7. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. When they heard these words, some of the people said, this is really the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. But some said, is the Christ to come from Galilee? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the offspring of David and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David was? So there was division among the people over him. Some of them wanted to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him. Nicodemus, who had gone to him before and who was one of them, said to them, Does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. Then they went each to his own house. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All of the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So, what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger in the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, 
beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. So with your eyes closed now, let each of us place ourselves in that situation. You are there, initially, with the crowd. Jesus is here. He is proclaiming, If any of you thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. The people, you are listening, you hear, but... Not everyone understands. Some are wanting to arrest him. Nicodemus, meanwhile, starts defending him. The argument is continuing for a while. And then everyone starts returning to their homes. And Jesus, you see, turns to walk away. He is headed to the Mount of Olives to pray. Follow Jesus. He is making his way up the mountain. Under the trees, Jesus is praying. Observe him. Is he sitting, standing? Lying prostrate, pacing. You notice that he's bringing the confusion of this last argument to his father. What do you sense he is feeling? Is he energized? Is he depleted? Jesus is pouring out his heart to his father. What is his body language saying? What emotions can you sense? flowing out of Jesus as he prays. Do you notice any change in how he's feeling, whether emotionally or physically? Stay with Jesus for a while and allow yourself to enter into his attitude and posture of of prayerfulness. Adjust your own body posture to be open to the Holy Spirit as we continue with Jesus in this scene. 
stay with Jesus through the night, rest in the shelter of his company. The sky is starting to lighten. Daylight is near. Turn your attention again to Jesus. He gets up. He begins his descent down the mountain. Follow him. As he approaches the temple, follow as closely as you desire. If you wish, let him know that you are with him and let him acknowledge your presence. See the crowd of people as Jesus approaches. Watch them as they notice Jesus gather and gather around him. Make sure that you get a good seat so that you can still see Jesus and hear him talking. What is the vibe of the crowd? What do you notice about the people sitting around you? Then notice the commotion as the scribes and Pharisees and the woman approach. Turn your attention to them, especially to the woman's face. Is she old or young, rich or poor? What can you tell about how she might be feeling right now? What happens to the emotions of the people in the crowd around you? Do you sense agitation or fear? Does the noise level get louder or quieter? How do you feel? What is stirring in your heart at the sight of the woman and the men who are handling her? Turn your attention now to the exchange between the Pharisees and Jesus. Teacher, the law of Moses commands us to stone such women. What do you say? Focus on Jesus now. Watch his response. Watch him as he traces his finger on the ground. 
Watch Jesus' face as the crowd demands that he say something. Can you read his emotions? What do you notice? Continue watching him until he stands to his feet. Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Who is Jesus looking at when he speaks these words? Does he look at you? Notice Jesus as he bends down and resumes writing on the ground. Would you like him to know that you're there? Make eye contact with him if you wish. Notice how you are feeling. When you are ready, turn your attention to the woman. Watch her as the scribes and Pharisees let go of her and as the crowd disperses. Watch the elders leave first. Notice if she looks at Jesus or are her eyes lowered? And does the woman see you? Turn your attention to the two figures, Jesus and the woman. What do you notice about their interaction, their gestures, their body postures? Any emotions? Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, Lord. Neither do I condemn you. And from now on, go and sin no more. Is there anything you want to do for the woman or for Jesus in this moment? In this place of great stillness and love, look at Jesus. Behold Jesus looking at you. Allow yourself to be looked at by the Lord. We'll take about 30 seconds more as you sit silently or journal. Amen. All right, you are dismissed to go to your small groups.